0: Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97-5 and twelve eighty. the zone. Well, after a nine-game winning streak, the Jazz have lost back-to-back games and to the best teams they've played in this stretch, too. Dallas got them, and now the Suns got them. Good game. Uh, A lot to go through in this game. And before we go through it, I have to say, the first thing you notice is the Jazz are truly taking people's best shots. Dallas played really well and beat the Jazz, and then turned around and lost the Houston Rockets. They didn't have it. They didn't have anything. The Rockets are terrible. It should have been an easy win. But Dallas left it all out there to take down the Jazz. And I thought the Suns left it all out there. Uh, The Suns have to turn around and play the Clippers, and I'm just going to assume the Clippers are going to win the second game of that back-to-back. And the Jazz are going to have problems with Portland. I would not be surprised to see Portland beat the Jazz and make it three in a row. Both these teams, both the Jazz and the Suns, spent a lot of energy, and then it was tied, and it went overtime, and that's five more minutes. And now they both have to travel and play quality teams that are going to be in the Western Conference playoffs. So good luck with that uh as far as the jazz and sons and what went right and what went wrong uh, it looked on the surface a lot like the Dallas game. And there were some comparisons that I think are spot on, but there's some major differences. Uh, certainly, the Jazz struggled to score early. They defended well the entire first half. They were down 51 40 at halftime. You couldn't complain about the 51 points. I mean, they're individual possessions. You can look at stuff that happened. But I think, big picture, the way teams are scoring in the NBA these days, if you go to the locker room and you've only given up 51 points, that is at least a B or B-plus effort, and it might be better than that. Um, I thought the Jazz got beat in transition a couple times. That was a problem, and they gave up too many offensive rebounds. That was a problem throughout the game, but it became especially pronounced in a couple of key possessions in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, with a couple minutes to go, and in overtime. Just, you know, close game and they're giving up four shots on a possession. I mean, it just can't happen. They got out rebounded by 16 boards. They gave up 16 offensive rebounds, but only had seven themselves. They got to rebound better, especially when these games get defensive and this figures to happen in the playoffs. And be, you're not going to make as many shots, there's going to be more rebounds to be had. And if you get worked, As a category becomes more important, it's going to be a problem. So I think that was one of the major takeaways. And again, the Jazz shot a really low percentage from three. They were ice cold early. It did pick up in the second half. Um, They ended up shooting, I think, 25%, no, 20, yeah, 25%, something like that. They only made 11. They averaged 17 makes a game. Six makes, 18 points in an overtime game would have been a big deal. Here's the key difference, though. In Dallas, they got exactly the shots they wanted, they were open, guys' feet were set, in rhythm, everything the coaches would draw up, and then they just missed them. Against Phoenix, some stuff was off balance. There were too many off the dribble. There weren't enough open catch and shoots. There were for a long stretch of the game. There were no corner threes. I think they had three in the first half. Everything was above the break. Which, because how Phoenix plays, David Locke was on our air yesterday saying, and and uh, he'll join us later today. But he was on another show. He's on the Big Show. Um, he said, hey, it's, uh, it's going to be about above the break three. That's what Phoenix – that's what they're going to be able to get, and they got to make them, and they didn't. Um, but you got to give credit to Phoenix. <clears throat> they switched a lot of stuff, and that over time, we know that's bothered the Jazz, and there was a lot of pressure. They really got into guys. They extended their defense, with, and then were able to collapse on Rudy in the middle and take away drives from other guys as well and then get back out to shooters. And even if they couldn't get to shooters, they – got the passing lane so that guys weren't hit in rhythm. You know, you can get the ball out to them, but you can't throw it right to them and hit them in rhythm. you got to throw it to the left or right. They're moving. They're not as comfortable. It's a small, subtle thing, but Phoenix was very good at it. And so I thought the Jazz did not get the quality of three-pointers. The numbers look the same, and they shot it very poorly. But the difference is, the Dallas shots, they had great shots. Here they had mm, okay to fair shots. Not great. And you can still make them. You can make some tough threes. And Donovan Mitchell made a difficult three. A very difficult three to get uh, with 10 seconds left in regulation to get the jazzed overtime. (laughs) It's like, man, he's got it. I mean, there's just no, you know, there's an it factor and he's got it. So, you know, the good and the bad there competed really well, defended really well, made runs. I thought they had a couple chances to really seize momentum early in the fourth quarter. Still a lot of time left. Seized that momentum early in the quarter, and they made some silly mistakes. Donovan took a bad shot. He patted himself on the chest just afterwards, but he drove and threw it up in traffic and hit the bottom of the rim, and the Suns had a fast break the other way. Jazz got a rebound better, um, and they can't get beat in transition like they did against Phoenix, and they certainly have to find a way to get open threes and make them. You know, It's easy to get those looks against Orlando, and there's no pressure, so you make them. In the the postseason, the defense is going to be better, the athletes are going to be better, and it's going to be harder to get those shots. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, We know what their marching orders are and what they have to change. And first things first... Uh, Damian Lillard's coming in off a 2-for-14 performance, shooting the ball. He loves to play in Utah. He's a Weber State guy. It's his second basketball home away from home. He, um, I think he gets worked up to go back to Oakland, too, where he played his high school ball. Now he doesn't go to Oakland. He goes to San Francisco now. But he gets worked up to go to the Bay Area, and he gets worked up to come to Utah because he's got roots in both places. So we'll see how that game goes tonight. Uh, intrigued to see if the Jazz are going to have a three-game win streak. We, we spotlighted this week as a big week, these three games, and now the Jazz are going to go one and two or 0 oh and three, and uh, they, they played a lot. I mean, they they played a lot of minutes, played really hard. Um, you know, Chris Paul played 43 minutes, and it'll be interesting to see if they even let him play against the Clippers tonight. They cannot have him hurt his hamstrings, be out in the playoffs. He's too critical. He was so good in the fourth quarter. I think he's did 16 points in the fourth quarter. He was really good, and they need him every well, not every time. He went to the bench three times. And two of the three times the Jazz went on a run. I didn't think they really capitalized on it in the second quarter. But the first and third, it was noticeable. The momentum just quickly changed when he went out. And he had to come back in to stop runs. And I I wonder how many minutes they can play him down the stretch and in the playoffs here because we've seen his body give out. And for one reason or another, he's had injuries and had to leave games and leave series. I think he left the Jazz Clippers series uh, four years ago. No, he got hurt in that Rockets uh, Warriors series he was in. And there have been a couple other Clippers series he's gotten hurt in as well. So it's an issue, and he played a lot of minutes. But everybody did. And I I think there'll be some tired legs against the Blazers tonight. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, a little golf gets ready for the Masters. It's starting today. Today. And uh, Bob Casper and Brian Taylor on Real Golf Radio Saturday mornings. They alternate the coming on every day. And we talked to Brian uh, yesterday, and we'll replay that interview for you, his thoughts on all our picks, who's going to win. Uh, and then we'll get to uh, Bob live later in the show today. All right, but a little golf next, few early risers, and then the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay
1: with us.
0: Starting today, well, Eastern time zone, they get to get going a little earlier than we do here. Uh, And we'll get you Masters updates as the uh, day progresses. But right now, to look ahead to what's going to happen over the next 72 holes, here's Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. He and Bob Casper on every Saturday morning here on the Zone Sports Network. BT with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
1: This to Golf Masters update with Brian Taylor is brought to you by Mountain Land Supply, Zion's Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried & Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Now, here's Real Golf Radio's Brian Taylor.
0: Brian, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. We're ready to talk some golf. But first, I want to talk food. <laughs> we'll so, we've heard the promo if you didn't hear it, the interview live and you were talking with, uh, with Scotty and Hands about uh, DJ and the pigs in a blanket once upon a time doing radio a long time ago and I, I think it was in the early days with PK but it, it might have been way back with Gordon and Ron Boone but whatever, somehow it was, DJ, what would you order with the Masters? And I had a few of my favorite foods, and somebody said, that sounds like what you get at chuck rama And everybody had a good laugh at my expense. I couldn't help but listen to that and say, pigs in a blanket and lobster? I took a lot of grief for a lot more. But does DJ take any grief for that? Or once you have the green jacket, it's like you're, uh, you're grief-proof, you're bulletproof. You can order whatever you want. Pigs in a blanket yeah. and lobster? Yeah. Where in America would you get that other than the champions' dinner at Augusta? <laughs>
2: I, I would say that's probably one of the more casual items on maybe the uh, most prestigious dinner in sports, right? I mean, pigs in a blanket. I mean, that, by the way, I was if it was back in the uh, the, the Gordon Monson and Ron Boone era, I was probably producing that show, so uh, yeah. there's probably some tape of that somewhere. But <laughs> any, anyway, I yeah, I mean, pigs in a blanket. The way I grew up was uh, was about as rudimentary as you could get. You'd pop open the old Pillsbury dough tube you know make the pop and then wrap that wrap a hot dog in one of that that dough and and bake it for 15 minutes or something that's pigs in a blanket from what i was able to see from the uh posts from the masters is apparently it was kielbasa in a puff pastry which is a a bit of a stretch for what i would call pigs in a blanket it looked a whole lot fancier than than that but but yeah i mean leave it to dj right i mean he, he dj loves the sandwiches uh there was a video of him last week making up his own version of a pimento cheese and and how he likes to do it and and that type of thing. So, you know, he, he if it was up to DJ, he'd probably just as soon uh, serve serve some plain master sandwiches out there at the dinner. But that that I mean, he's a he's a southern guy, he's a casual guy, he's a pretty simple dude and and he's just, you know, he he doesn't need a whole lot to be happy.
3: Yeah, that's the essence uh, Golf Digest had a big story on him and that was the whole essence of him. It's just golf. And he took that mindset, and he's been able to play better. It's a big story about Mike Weir. I think Feinstein wrote it, too, if you should get Golf Digest, which I do. So I read it the other day talking about Mike and his life, which we've chronicled here. As far as Dustin Johnson goes, in my mind, I want to get your opinion of this. In my mind, to me, if he's on – now, you got to be on, obviously – but if he's on, he is the best player in the world, and he will win it.
2: Well, it's hard to argue with that, you know, I mean, especially right now, you know, we, we've had conversations around this. If you took, you know, these players at their best, all with their A game, who would you pick? And it's an interesting discussion. I, I think a lot of us, a lot of us point to Rory McIlroy when we're having those conversations, but Rory's out of sorts a little bit right now. So um, that doesn't mean he can't get it back this week or he hasn't been able to find something, but he kind of went down that uh, rabbit hole chasing Bryson and got lost. Uh, didn't leave the breadcrumbs as Bryson talked about that, that he left uh, when, when he went down that hole to make sure he could get back out if he needed to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Dustin Johnson is is, um, is an amazing talent. The fact that he's only won two majors is a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, he's he's pro- he's not probably he is the most consistent player. In the last two decades on the PGA Tour, with at least one win every single year, it's phenomenal what DJ has been able to do with his career. And yet, I don't think he's even peaked. And that, that's the that's the amazing thing about DJ is I don't think anybody that follows the game would suggest that DJ has peaked. And so I I think I think he has a, a lot more to win and and could be a, a Phil Mickelson type player that wins the Masters, you know, later in, in his career and ends up having a, a whole major career, you know, late late in his 30s and into his 40s.
4: <laughs> Most
0: people love to second guess I'm going to give you a chance to second guess Are you ready? I want to, okay. I want to rip right through these I want you immediate reaction Very quick Just jump in We have a uh, Masters draft with Bob It's three rounds Three guys Nine players Females off the board He's a local guy Everybody knows him Everybody wants him to win So he's everybody's pick So he's the tenth guy But we can't draft him Okay So here's the nine Quick reaction Are you ready? Yep Justin Thomas Pick him Jordan Spieth. Pick him. Bryson DeChambeau. I don't pick him. uh, Dustin Johnson, you've already talked about. John Rahm. Yep. Rory McIlroy. Question mark. Xander Shoffley. You pick him. Patrick Cantley. Mm,
2: Question mark. Patrick Reed question
0: mark <laughs> there's our nine so uh, Bob took Justin Thomas right out of the gate I took Jordan Spieth and PK hit D. DeChambeau and then the second round it was uh, Bob with DJ I took Rom and PK took Rory and then Bob finished up with Xander and I took Canley and PK took Reed so who's going to so win
2: much, I pretty much said uh, PK was questionable on every one of his picks let me, let me just say this PK um, Bryson has finished his lowest finish was as an amateur and he tied for 21st He's never had a top 25 finish as a professional. I, I just don't know if he's, you know, and look, Phil Mickelson, it took him a long time to figure out Augusta, and he was a much better player than Deshambo. I just think there's a combination that you have to figure out. There's there, there's power. Sure, power is important. But the, the thing that surprises me so much is that as the, for as all the scientific approach that, that Deshambo takes to the game of golf, um, like driving and distance itself is probably – the least most important thing when it comes to Augusta. I mean, I I don't want to minimize it. It helps, but he's figured he's trying to figure out how to take it over the trees out of bounds on one and draw it over the bunker to leave himself a little wedge shot when he really needs to be figured out where do I need to leave it in what spots to attack, which areas of the green and, and where not to miss it. I mean, it's, it's, fascinating to, you know, over the years, I was I was privileged to sit with Billy Casper at Augusta, and we're watching on the monitor, and, and him describe, you know, different areas and different shots, and, you know, and, and that's why I love Justin Thomas and, and his chances, because what he's essentially do, did is he found, is he in his words, I, thought I was lucky enough to be in that group with Tiger and Fred Couples in these practice rounds. And so he says, I just follow them around like a puppy dog. If they drop at a certain spot and they hit chip shots, as soon as they're done, I walk over and drop in that same spot and hit chip shot. If they're putting from over here, I walk over and putt from over there. And so it's helping him to learn and understand and figure out this Unique combination about the golf course. So, I, I don't, look. I don't falter for picking Bryson DeChambeau. The guy's number five player in the world, and he's a reigning U.S. Open champ. And you know, he's got a t- t- distance for days. And and certainly, maybe there's something up his sleeve, and he breaks through and wins. And nobody would discount that. I he's mean, he's a he's a he's, an am- he's a great great player, world world player. But it just. And, by the way, he, he's coming in a little more humbly to the Masters this, this time than he did back in November when he popped in with a lot of bravado and, and kind of got shot down. So, um, but, but he is an interesting one. And, and the fact that when I look at trends for the Masters, he's not necessarily trending in a way that I would suggest he's ready to win there.
3: Right, but you got to understand, Brian, I pick last. I'll let the <laughs> other guys have it. That somehow I've been slotted. That's last, which is the story of my life, obviously. I'm assigned last. And two years ago, I picked Tiger, and nobody picked him. So it's sweeter when I win. You know, anybody, oh, I'm going to take Dustin Johnson. I'm going to take Justin Thomas. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Okay. I mean, those are obvious. I got to go off the beaten path a little bit. And what I think is going to make the difference is – Earlier in the week, Bryson DeChambeau was on the range, and standing next to him was Vijay Singh. (laughs) And I once was in the same workout room at the JW Marriott in Vegas with Vijay Singh early on a Saturday morning. The two of us were in there. He had his personal trainer. I was wearing, of course, a, a sleeveless tank top. And we both worked out together. And Vijay told Bryson, and I think this is the key, he told him that he wasn't swinging hard enough. He was swinging too easy. So he's going to swing harder, and that's going to make the difference. He's not going to have to go over any trees
2: because he's going to hit the ball so freaking hard he's going to go through the trees. If I'm connecting the dots here, somehow with VJ standing on the range next to Bryson and the fact that you worked out in a tank top with he and his personal trainer at the J-Dub some time ago, that is going to all come together in the cosmos, and he's going to be wearing a green jacket at the end of the week. You're focused like a laser. You totally understand this story. I know. I I can't believe I missed it in the beginning. I should have never underestimated you, PK. My my apologies right off the bat. Yes, he was down there to play –
3: in the Vegas tournament, and I was down there to go to a Jimmy Buffett concert that night.
2: And there it is, Jimmy Buffett. I, I mean, I'm, I'm smacking myself in the head. What am I thinking? And Jimmy's long off the tee himself, so. <laughs> <laughs> Which surprises me, because he's more of a laid-back fellow. you think he'd be, uh, you know, kind of a you know, little softer off the tee with all that laid-back. So.
0: Let me just fill you in on one detail on PK's whole story there. He does pick third. He volunteered to pick third. He was laying a trap. He wanted to go three. He picked Tiger. Tiger wasn't... If you remember, it's not like Tiger won eight times on tour going into that. And mm-hmm. Bob had pumped Tiger up forever. It was a total trap. He took Tiger. Tiger won. And P.K. just roasted. I mean, he just tortured <laughs> poor Bob. It was a thing of beauty. It was a work of art. He's playing the victim now, but I'm telling you, sly like a fox, he knew what he was doing all along. Let's let Bob go first. He's the guest. And so Bob does go first all the time, and I go second, because P.K. I don't know what I'm doing. And so he'll probably get his guy a third anyway. And then he gets to play the victim and win. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs>
3: and then that night when Tiger went, won, when he won, I went and bought a Tiger hat, a Tiger shirt, and I had black pants and I looked like Tiger. I uh, did my Tiger impression that night on Channel 2.
2: Yeah, no, you had it right the first time. You do look like Tiger. I mean, I mean, just from that workout, all those years ago. <laughs> <No. going, laughs> nice. The tiger nice.
0: <laughs> hey, on a serious note about DeChambeau, though, I'm flicking around yesterday and I hit some of ESPN's master coverage, right? They got Andy North down there with Scott Van Pelt, and they're talking about a bunch of stuff. And then they go to DeChambeau, and they've got video of him on the range, and he's calling for a golf ball. I mean, it looks like straight out of the movies, right? You're going to try to hit 10 in a row over the water. I mean, is it just Tin Cup and you're Kevin Costner? And he's putting it down, he's teeing it up, and he is. Lashing, it looked like a boxing workout. He is just like sweats flying off him, like like he's into Patrick Ewing all time sweating territory. <laughs> I'm starting to sweat, and I'm just sitting in a chair watching TV. And they come back to Andy North, and Andy North is laughing, and he's like, <laughs> "I love that." He didn't actually love it; it entertained him. He didn't love anything about it. And you know, he's got all the worries you think he might have, but it entertained him. He wants Deshawn to do well. You can. Tell he thinks it's a story and he thinks it's interesting, but he also thinks it's not the way to go. Is I mean, we all saw Tiger, we heard people say Tiger's body is going to break down, and then Tiger's body did break down. Is it just inevitable? Or are we just counting the weeks and the months until DeChambeau does?
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's been the question. I've, I've heard it mentioned on Golf Channel, ESPN, you know, amongst everybody is saying, you know, is that sustainable? Is going that hard sustainable? Because golf is much more of a marathon you know, type career than a, than, than a sprint. I mean, you, you know, guys play for a couple of decades out there or more. And um, yeah, you know, w- w- I look at Brooks Koepka, I mean, maybe we'll talk about him, but I mean, Brooks is playing this week and he had knee surgery three weeks ago. Right. I mean, it t- you know, that, that's as fit of a guy as you could have tiger, you know, w- when, when his book came out in the, in 2000 ish, like the way I play or I think is what it was called. He talked about snapping the left knee in order to generate power. And, you know, he's had a dozen, half a dozen knee surgeries on that knee because of that that motion. And, you know, and yet he was real wiry back then too. And then everyone's everyone's lifting and bulking, and and I'm not going to suggest that's not the way to go. But it it is interesting to me when you just sit back and look at it, that Phil Mickelson, you know, sort of the anti-Tiger, the anti-DeChambeau, you know, he he's the one that's been able to stay healthy this whole time, and he has more of a long, fluid, more lanky style golf swing than the loaded up and go all after it. Now, now Phil has been chasing it. He's got his coffee workout, and he's losing weight, and he's you know he's trying to chase speed and quote unquote hit bombs. I get it, and that's that's just that's for Phil bravado. But at the end of the day, he's got a fairly smooth swing, and he's been able to have a a, a nice long career. So. Can DeChambeau sustain it? It doesn't seem like it. I mean, just watching that, my back hurt like most people. Um, And that was a drill, by the way. I watched him again this morning, early this morning on the range, and he was swinging much more controlled, more normal-looking golf swing than that. That was a speed drill that he does, and it certainly was for effect. Uh, and I thought Han's comment was, was and Scott Scott Gerrard's comment was great. He's just kind of trying to get in everybody's kitchen with all that, you know, and get in their heads like he did with Rory. But um, I, I can't think that that kind of going hard at it with a golf swing, your body's just not made to do the things a golf swing does. And so the harder you go, the I think the shorter your career is. Okay,
3: but so what? If he has 14 majors and 80 wins and he's done by 38, doesn't he, every single PGA golfer sign up for that and say oh, 100%. absolutely?
2: 100%. But I don't I mean like, like I said, you know, it to, to to this point the results aren't there. Yeah, he blew the field away at Wingfoot. That was That still is a head scratcher, by the way. Um, And Rory came out and and tried to talk that away with, you know, Hey, the longer wedges, you know, and he comes in so steep, he's able to get more, um, more angle into the rough and be able to create more, more, uh, more speed through the ball out of that rough, which, you know, that type of thing. But so, okay, maybe he unlocked something there, right? That particular week. But, but to me, I don't, I mean, I don't see him going out there week in and week out dominating the field. There's players, that are taking a much more conservative approach, that are being more successful and more consistent. So to me, it hasn't proven to be the thing yet. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I, it has proven to screw up one of the best drivers of the golf ball in, in recent history in Rory McIlroy. So I don't think it's something that everyone's going to completely jump on board with. But I do think that younger players now, I mean, it, there's, there's got to be something to say, hey, hit it as hard as you can. We'll figure the rest out later. I do think that's a bit of a, of a change in philosophy as opposed to figure out how to hit it straight. And then we'll, we'll lengthen the swing and increase the distance. So it, that, that part of it, I think, is, is definitely a change.
0: All right, your guy. you didn't draft with us, but you know you do want to call your shot, so if you got anything anybody because we draft these nine guys, but honestly, more tournaments than not, and we only we just do it for the majors. more often than not though, the winner is not one of the nine guys, so maybe we didn't even mention it
2: yeah, I mean, I think you you know I think John Rahm's an interesting story to watch this week you know he's he, his wife and he just had their first baby, and he's you know. He was fourth in 2018. Um, he shot 66 there. In fact, I think he holds the record for the lowest last 54 holes at 14 under. I mean, the guy has, um, you know, he, he has a ton of talent, and he's he's had top tens in, in three starts there. So he's a guy that, you know, maybe he's coming off this refreshing new feeling that happened. Danny Willett described that after he, when he won, that he, his wife had just had a baby prior to coming. So he's kind of one that maybe doesn't, isn't getting talked about as much. Uh, I think Xander Schauffele is an interesting case. Um, you know, he's playing in his fourth Masters, and he has made 25 birdies back in 2019, the last time it was played in April. He made 25 birdies. That's tied for the second most in Masters history. With Phil Mickelson there, Jordan Spieth with 28 is the is the leader. So I think there's a guy that's shown. Look, he, he's played here three times. He knows how to make birdies. He's kind of figured out some of the combination of Augusta National. So I think I think Xander and Rom are a couple of guys that that you might want to pay attention to this week. And uh, out, outside of that, I really think the favorites are are, are there for a reason. And um, the the most interesting story to me. Uh, that could probably come out of this outside of maybe Spieth winning. Another one would be super popular. Dustin trying to defend. That's only happened three times. Uh, But Rory McIlroy is now um, trying for the career grand slam for the seventh time. He's also trying to win it in his 12th attempt. Adam Scott, Phil Mickelson, Ray Floyd all won on their 12th attempt. I think that would be a big story as well uh, for the game of golf. So those are those are the storylines that I'm excited to watch. And then of course, if if Finau can continue his form there at the Masters would be would be fun. But with all of those things converging, and then Brooks coming in and he's going to basically try to play on one leg like Tiger Wood did in 08, I, I think it's a, this is going to be a super compelling week. I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. All right, well,
0: we got a break now. Pigs in a
2: blanket for everyone. I like it, and if you're going hand style, he wants it uh, sausage wrapped in a pancake dipped in maple syrup, which, by the way, sounds pretty darn good right now. It really does.
0: All right, thank you. We appreciate it, and we'll hear you Saturday morning, Real Golf Radio, you and Bob Casper, uh, every week. Appreciate it, guys. Always good to be with you. All right, there he is. Bob Taylor joining us. Bob Taylor. Brian Taylor join us. He and Bob Casper uh, alternate all week long and get us our Masters updates right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Alright, that gets you ready for the Masters playing out over the next four days in Augusta, Georgia. Coming up next, the Jazz and the Suns. The best of the postgame show. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz struggle to make three-pointers, and they don't rebound the ball very well, and they fall to the Phoenix Suns in overtime. Good game. Felt like a playoff game. Looked like a playoff game, uh, but the Jazz got beat. Now, <clears throat> in the playoffs, you get a chance to bounce back, make adjustments. Of course, the regular season, you don't get that. It's on to the next game back-to-back against a Portland team that didn't play last night while the Jazz were going OT. All right, let's get to Jake now and the best of the postgame show.
5: Sure, Jazz. Recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz fell in overtime to the Suns last night, 117-113, to 113, despite 41 points from Donovan Mitchell uh, in the effort, including a, a game-tying three that sent the game into overtime. But the Jazz ran out of gas in the OT period and come up just a bit short. Bogdanovich had 20 points last night. Rudy Gobert with 16 points, 18 boards. And three steals. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had 11 coming in off the bench as far as the Suns go. Devin Booker had 35, but it took him 31 shots to get there. 13 of 31 from the field. He did go 9 of 10 from the line. Chris Paul was great. He had 29 points on 12 of 24 shooting. He also had nine assists. And uh, certainly some really clutch plays in the fourth quarter and overtime. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder.
6: First up, we'll have Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
5: Quinn,
4: uh, pretty poor first half from you guys um, just in terms of scoring a season low, 40 points, uh, only four assists to the break. What enabled you to kind of turn it around? I mean, you almost met your scoring total in the third quarter alone.
7: Well, I, I think, you know, we, we didn't come out as aggressive as we needed to, um, not just with the ball, but, you know, running, spacing, spacing. Um, you know, we weren't we weren't attacking. They, they were dictating to us um, on the defensive end. And I thought as the game progressed, um, you know, we started spacing and, and really attacking off the pick and roll and open some things up for ourselves. But, um, you know, they're, they're a good defensive team. And, you know, we, we weren't as dialed in as we needed to be um, in order to attack them. And obviously, you know, we had some shots, but sometimes made shots barely out, you out know, and we just needed to be better and, and we were as the game progressed.
8: Chris and Kenny, Joss TV. Coach, what allows Donovan to be that leader, that playmaker down the stretcher when he's needed most?
7: Well, you know, he's competitive and, you know, I think he's confident and those are times that, you know, he's able to generate good looks and, you know, again, when, when the game's on the line, you know, he's that's what he's trying to do. That's what he's done. And, um, you know, he did he did that tonight.
6: Tony Jones, The Athletic.
3: Coach, what, what's your assessment of you uh, your crunch time minutes tonight uh, on both ends of the floor? And um, obviously, um, you know, are you not happy with the second chance? points that you guys surrendered, you know, throughout the entire game?
7: Well, yeah, that's that's something that we we, we know is uh, going to be a challenge at times, um, particularly if, if, you know, Rudy's switching on to one of the guards to contest a shot and make a play. Um, you know, Aiden's big down there. There was a few that um, we were trying to jump with him. Um, there's a few others that, you know, were long rebounds, loose balls we didn't come up with, but... You know, as much as anything, you know, giving a team second possessions late in the game in crunch time
9: is is hard to overcome.
6: Next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune.
9: Quinn, given how competitive this game was, do you feel like you can take a lot from it in in that, uh, you know, this is going to be a a kind of playoff-style matchup?
7: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like, you know, I think both teams were looking at the game from, from that standpoint. Yeah. You know, you do, you know, the, the competition is, is what allows you to to get better. We'll certainly look at this and um, pick up some big picture things as well as some of the smaller things and various plays. But um, it's good to be in games like this. Obviously, you, you know, you would have hoped that it turns out the other way. Um, but as you said, I think these are the types of, of games you want to be in. You want to feel what it's like to be in them. You want to figure out how you can win them.
6: David James, KUTV.
0: Quinn, that was really an intense game. And then you had the five extra minutes at the end of it. You got to travel and play the Blazers back to back. Do you alter the rotation here and kind of account for all the energy that's spent tonight? Or is it full steam ahead? Well, you know, probably both. You know, it's
7: definitely, it's got to be full steam ahead. There's, you know, there's no other way to go on that and as always you know we need contributions from everybody Um, particularly there's a lot of back-to-backs this year obviously and um, you know we expended a lot of energy tonight but um, we have to be ready to go tomorrow.
5: There's Quinn Snyder after his team fell in overtime to the Suns 117 to 113 let's move on to the players let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell.
6: First question David James KUTV
0: Donovan, what do you learn from a game like this that you can take going forward if you run into these guys in the playoffs again? What do you know about the Suns?
9: Um, I think this is the fourth time we've played in the season. If I'm correct, she include preseason, and they've they've you know they've done the same thing as far as you know being aggressive, using playing through their strengths, you know being physical. Um, and we this game, I think we did a, a better job of what am I saying? A better job of playing through it and, and getting and finishing and running. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that hurt us at the end, you know, was rebounding. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the actual numbers are. Thirty-eight to 10 I'm sorry, seven, sixteen. Like that's that's huge. You know, I don't know how many points they got off of it, but you know, I think we got to get in there. And you know, it's it's when the bigs go out and contest those mid-range insurance, we got to get in there. But then sometimes it's tough. You know, at the end of the day, I'm six-three, and you know, DeAndre is seven feet, but, you know, it starts before jump starts before, before that, you know, you got to crack and get into his legs. We so can't jump, but you know we got to win those 50, 50 balls, long rebounds. I think that's what really separated the game um, for, for, uh, for them.
8: Kristen Kenny and JSTV. Donovan, what does it say about you guys as a team that you can still stay in the game and battle down to the wire like you did when you didn't have your best shooting night?
9: Um, I think, you know, like I said, we, we know what we can be, you know, we know we we have work to do as well, but you know, there's definitely instances where it's like we look at we didn't really shoot the three ball all that well, you know, and I think for us just finding ways to continue to improve, play through physicality, find ways to continue to, to play Even when we kind of woke up and shots like the fall. If we can continue that same energy in the first quarter, uh first half, um just being able to play play through that and understand that. Now, they're going to be nights like this. We haven't shot the ball well the past two nights, you know, and, you know, two totally different games, in my opinion. You look at tonight, we were right there, you know, um, a few rebounds away. Um, and then last game, you know, we were down by 20 at one point, you know, that we responded the right way, but we had to do it throughout the,
4: the course of the game, in my opinion.
6: Eric Walden, Salt Lake Japan.
4: Don, you guys have been a great third quarter team all season, but tonight it was kind of an even more extreme example, 40 points in the first half, 38 in the third quarter. Uh, what flipped the switch so dramatically? Uh, 40, 40 points in the first half, 38 we gave up? Sorry. No, you you guys scored 40 in the whole first half. Oh, you scored 38 in the third alone. I
9: think, you know, just attacking, you know, attacking and seeing, seeing the ball going. Um, just trying to set a tone, you know, for myself, getting out in transition, finding guys. Guys um, getting into the paint, you know, we, we found something in the third quarter that kind of we ran with the rest of the game. And I think that was really the biggest difference. Um, just being aggressive, you know, just getting out in transition and doing our thing. Um, but at the end of the day, this, that was playoff basketball. You know, it's not always going to be 60 point halves, 70 point halves. They're going to be halves like this. Um, you know, we just got to continue to to fight through. And, you know, we did in the third quarter and the fourth, but even over time, you know, and like I said, we're a few rebounds away from this one out.
6: Tony
2: Jones,
3: the Athletic. Do you do you think it took too long for you guys offensively to diagnose what they what they were doing against you defensively? I mean, once you guys did, you guys got comfortable and it was fine. Um, but it took a long time for you guys to 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 kind of get comfortable.
9: Um, yeah, I think I think there was the first time I was like you said, so my offense, right? Offensively. That was it. Uh, yeah, I think you know, the biggest thing was just playing through that physicality, getting down transition, running, you know, being able to run the space. We we kind of ran and loaded the side, and it's tough to attack that way. Uh, With three guys on one side, you know, it's easy for them to shift, being able to find ways to get to the paint, pass the shooters. Um, We definitely, you know, found that in the second half. It's not always going to be pretty, but, you know, we got to find a way to do that through the jump. We knew what to expect with their physicality and, and their um, and their defense coming into it. And, you know, we got to go out there and, and find a way to continue to jump, you know, as opposed to waiting. Um, Even with waiting, we're there. Uh, but, you know, like you said, we continue to to start games off the way we have been, you know, the past, I don't know, 10 or so games outside of uh, Dallas. uh, I think we'll
6: the shape. Ben Anderson, KSL Don, how does...
9: Poor shooting from three changed the morale uh, of the attack the offense. Um, it can, it can you know, deter you from shooting the ball. Uh, I don't think that's the case. You know, you look at, you know, myself, I took 12 uh, you know, well, yeah, you know, I took eight, might took seven. You know, it can deter you from taking it, but we believe in it. We believe in what we do. Um, and if the shot's not going to find a way to get to the line, find a way to get into the paint, see the ball going, you know, there was times we, we missed easy ones too. You know, and once you see the ball going as a shooter, you know, it it's it helps a lot, believe me. And I think that's just something that we just have to understand that it's not always gonna fall. We gotta hang our hat even more on the defensive end. And at the end of the day, we give it 51 points in the first half, you know, it's 25 point quarters, or whatever, or 26. Uh, um, but I think that's that's something that we can hang our hat on we be able to guard, even when the shots not falling, you know, down eleven to come back and continue to shoot through, you know, the misses. Um so, yeah.
6: Last question, follow-up from Chris and Kenny.
8: So, you had, a, you had a tough battle on the road tonight. You get another test in less than 24 hours here back home. What are you looking forward to most about tomorrow night? Um,
9: the fact that we need to play another game. You know, you can't really dwell on this loss uh, too much. Uh, we am going to go out there and play really, really, a really, really good team in, in Portland. You know, a hungry team. And you know, match their energy and be ready for it. Um,
5: there's Donovan Mitchell 41 points for Donovan 8 rebounds 3 assists in uh, in the losing effort but uh, as I mentioned earlier it did hit the 3 that sent the game into overtime and really uh, Donovan uh, pretty much single-handedly kept him in it in the 4th quarter and a big time effort from Donovan he was clearly out of gas in the overtime period He'll uh, we'll see how much he's got in the tank for tonight's game against Portland uh, let's now hear from Boyan Bogdanovich
6: all right, we'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
4: Going on not the shooting game that the team wanted. A lot of offensive rebounds allowed to Phoenix, and yet you guys fall by three on the road in overtime. Uh, what do you ultimately take away from a game like this?
10: I mean, I think we played a solid defense once again, but it's tough to win the game, especially in a road when you're shooting 20%. From the tree for the three collectively, so so great, great game. I mean playoff playoff type mentality, but uh, like I said, it's tough to win when you're shooting twenty percent from from three.
8: Kristen Kenny, Just T V. So when you guys are shooting like that, um, what is the best way to address it? Are you having conversations about that in the huddles?
10: I mean, we have to. We have to keep shooting. I mean, that we are. We are one of the one of the teams that is shooting the best percentage, and 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 we are shooting the probably the the highest number of, of threes trees in, in in a whole league. So we got great shooters. We have to. We have to stay stay confident and keep keep taking those those three even even they are not not getting in right now.
6: Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com.
9: Boyan, you've strung together five pretty good games now. Does it feel like something has switched from earlier in the season?
10: Can, can you repeat? I didn't hear the question. Sorry.
9: Yeah, you've strung together five pretty good games in a row now. Uh, does it feel like things are coming together a little bit better than they were earlier in the year?
10: I mean, every every single game is gonna be is gonna be tough right now. Every team is fighting for the either for playoff or, or playoff positions. We got a we got a tough one tomorrow right away against against Portland at home. So you got to get rest and, and, and get ready, get ready for tomorrow. We have to forget this one.
6: David James, KUTV.
0: What did you guys try to do to improve the rebounding over the course of the game? Obviously, they ended up rebounding by 16 and they had 16 offensive boards.
10: I mean we all gotta gotta get to the rebounds i mean especially especially me i mean i played more than 30 minutes with the, with the one one board today so i gotta be gotta be more aggressive and, and, and help my my teammates rudy is doing great job on a, on a guarding pick and roll so we gotta all all get there and, and grab those those long rebounds
6: andy larson so LA Tribune.
9: Okay, there was that play with about thirty seconds left where you kind of get the ball open and you you pump fake a little bit and then sidestep on that three. Is that one that you kind of wish you had back and you want to get that up right away? Or I know you have been sidestepping more. Do you feel comfortable taking that
6: shot just as just the same?
10: Yeah, I assume that they're gonna run me of the line because it was three three point three point game. So, but yeah, I, sh- I have to. Those are the type of shots that we got to take right away. It's going to be, it's going to be a better percentage for us. I was, I was hesitant. That's why I, I missed it. So yeah, yeah, we got to be, we got to be better than those. And taking, taking, take those right away.
6: Last one, follow up from Kristen Kenny.
8: We're getting so used to the scene Donovan just take over at any point, at any moment for you, do you guys, Expect it now, and then also. How would you describe when he's in that
10: mode? He's in that mode all his career, so it's not just just tonight. He's been he's been our leader, our best player. So of course, the the, the ball and at the end of the game or overtime is gonna go to him, and then he's he's great by by making plays plays either either for for himself or or for for the others. Tonight he had a he had another great game, so I'm. I'm sorry that we as a team didn't, didn't do better and, and get those doubles for him as well.
5: There's Bogdanovich. Had 20 points on 8 of 17 shooting, but uh, struggled from 3, 1 of 8 from behind the line. And uh, you heard him mention there, only one rebound. Jazz got crunched on the boards uh, uh, last night. uh, Let's see here, 61 to 45, including uh, 16 to 7 on the offensive glass. Got to be better getting those rebounds. And uh, Bogdanovich obviously pointing the finger at himself. Uh, Let's wrap things up with Rudy Gobert. Hey, Rudy.
6: We'll go ahead and get started with Eric Wall
4: Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Ricky. So, um, Phoenix obviously had a big advantage on the glass tonight. What is, you know, what can you guys do going forward to kind of cut down on the amount of offensive
11: rebounds that are being allowed? I think we just got to you know, rebound. It's all about wanting to get in more than the other team. So, Sometimes there were a lot of, you know, a few long rebounds that, are uh, you know, some of these going to happen in the game. But I think there was a lot of them also that, uh, you know, uh, we could uh, we should have got. And uh, those hurt us, you know, especially when we play good defense and we're about to, you know, force a miss and then they get another possession. And, you know, and those guys are pretty good. So when you give them, you know, extra possessions, uh, they're going to make the most of it.
8: Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach was saying competition allows you to get better. What did this one show you tonight as far as areas that you can improve on?
11: I mean, I think we we did a very good, a very good job defensively for the most part of the game, except uh, a few times when I think we know they got about six six layups. Uh, whether we took a bad shot or we turned it over or. Uh, we didn't run back, and we gotta clean those up. You know, I think when we when we're about to sell our defense, uh, and they have to play against half court. Um, you know, I think we did a good job, and uh, they still made a few. You know, a lot of contested twos and a lot of tough shots. But you know, I think we did a good job overall, and that's when the rebound is is key, and just gotta do a better job. You know, but I think uh, overall we did a you know a good effort defensively.
5: There's Rudy Gobert, 16 points, 18 rebounds, 3 steals, and 2 assists. But the Jazz lose in overtime to the Suns, 117-113. to 113. Had to get back on a plane last night, uh, back into town because they're taking on the Blazers tonight at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7.
0: There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines on the way. Stay with us.